Curiosity. What are you so curious about? Everything. Mr. Curiosity. All righty, folks. Mr. Curiosity here, Joe Snedeker. And uh, boy, we get the big wigs here. I'm telling you, you know, <laughs> they, they all want to, they want, they all want to be uh, attacked by Mr. Curiosity. Is that what they want? We've got uh, Will Beekman, a guy I never met. We're meeting for the first time and he's the big shot, big GM at the uh, Mohegan Sun Arena, Casey Plaza. So uh, welcome, Will. Welcome. Thank you for having me, Joe. Looking forward to it. Now, the first thing I'm I'm curious about is the uh, the name Will. Is that short for something else, or what's Will all about? Just short for William. Nothing nothing too exciting. Um, <laughs> no, nothing exciting. I'm a third. Um, so my father is Will Beekman as well, and then um, his father was as well. So um, I'm the third, but m- my dad goes by Bill. I always stuck with Will for whatever reason. And Beekman, you're the first. Uh, that's the first time I heard that name. I'm not a. I don't know any Beekmans. You're the first Beekman you know, in my world. It's funny. I met a few years ago. I met my first Beekman, who's not a family member, who actually lives, <laughs> lives in the Scranton area. Um, we were in a. We were mutual um, guests at a at a meeting, and he heard my last name, and he slid his business card across the table, and his was Beekman as well. And I couldn't believe it. We call each other brother ever since then, but we're not related. We don't think. Oh, that's funny. It is weird when you run into someone who has the last name as you and it's not a common name. When I run into a Snedeker, I swear it's like, oh, my God, I want to embrace this person. You, you know, you got the same baggage as me or the same whatever. I mean, it's pretty cool, isn't it? One hundred percent. Like I said, I'd never met another Beekman before that wasn't a family member. So yeah, maybe we're way back. Who knows? <laughs> so are you a local guy? The family? Where are you guys from? Yeah, for the most part. I grew up in the Poconos. Um and Toby Hanna lived here for the most part my whole life. Um, I did. Um, I mean, I lived in state college when I went to Penn State for four well, years. Wait, Will, you can't go on any uh, further because I have to ask you this question. Don't be uh, don't be insulted. And remember, if ever I get too nosy, you just say hit the bell and it's over. Because when you said Poconos, all right, there's yeah. two types of Pocono people. Sure. They're the New York, New Jersey imports. No offense. And then there's the locals that have been there forever. Yep. You wanna, do you want to categorize yourself or no? Sure. I am the local who has been there forever. But, <laughs> but I'm a product of the New York, New Jersey imports. So oh, okay. So you're, my, you're mom's from, my mom's from New York. My dad's from New Jersey. Um, but they've lived up there long enough that now on the weekends when the traffic gets bad in Mount Pocono, my mom complains about all the New Yorkers coming up, even though she was one of them. Oh, that's funny. It's it's yeah. so much fun for some reason. And I mean, no offense to anyone if they're listening from New York. But when you're somewhere and you say, yeah, New York or New Jersey, those idiots, you don't really mean it. It's just human nature, I guess. It's something. Yeah, it, it gets busy up there on the on the weekends. But, you know, we uh, she has the same complaint on the race weekends, too. All the, the NASCAR fans coming up. Too. Oh, so yeah. It's not yeah, just yeah. New York and New Jersey. It's anyone. Anyone who clogs up the roadways when she's trying to go to the store. Whenever I'm like down the Jersey Shore for a family vacation, I see all the locals there looking at me and I I feel like saying, listen, I'm sorry. I'm a dumb tourist. Here I am. You know, yes. everything you're saying is true about me. Whatever. <laughs> turn. Yeah. I know. All right. So so you grew up in the Poconos. Like uh, what school did you go to? High school. I went to Pocono Mountain High School. Wow. So you're a regular local guy. I love it. I am. Um, back when there was only one campus. Uh, now there's, I don't know, last I checked, there was four campuses, I think. 
Yeah, because it. of all because of all the imports. Exactly. <laughs> We've come there's full a, circle. There's a theme here. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that that that's where I lived my whole life. Like I said, with the exception of a few years when I was in school, and then I, I were actually worked at Penn State and State College for about three years as well. But other than that, I've lived in this general this general area. Now I'm in the the Durier area, um, not too far from this, you know, from the studio over there, and life is good. That's excellent. It's so amazing here in the United States. You go from uh, a kid in the Poconos to the big wig at the arena. I mean, that's that's the beauty of America, right there. Yeah, it's um, you know people it, people ask me how I got here, and I, I honestly don't know that I have an answer for them. I don't, <laughs> I don't think this was ever anything I intentionally set out to do. Um, but now that I'm doing it, I kind of feel like I'm in, you know, I'm in the place I'm supposed to be. And I guess that's, you know, that's one of the funny things about life. I think things always work out the way they're supposed to, but, um, it's been a bit of a long and windy road, but I I love what I do. Um, I get to, you know, book all the acts here at the arena. And, um, prior to that, I spent 10 years doing that at the Kirby center in downtown Wilkes-Barre and it's been a lot of fun. I got to hold you right there because this is another issue I have. My brain only works in a linear fashion. (laughs) <laughs> so you're jumping too far ahead <laughs> got it i'll slow down for no you. no it's not your fault it's my fault i can't go from a to b and in between jump to c it's got to be like a straight line for me got it so did got you it. uh like when you when you're in college like you said i'm going to penn state you're one of those are you a penn state nut you know i never was no um you know it was well this will there are a lot of people who know me who don't know this about me but i actually went to penn state my first two and a half years as a meteorology major what whoa 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 yes what yeah well now we got to back up we well now we got to back up so when you're in high school in the poconos what's your your mom and dad what are they doing for a living because now i'm trying to get to your guts of the meteorology stuff yeah. So my mom, my dad's been long time, um, you know, self-employed business owner. He owns his own plumbing and heating company in the Poconos. My mom has always helped him out with the business. Um, you know, always a small operation, but if you go in any house in the Poconos, chances are my dad's little name tag is hanging on that oil burner or, 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 or what have you. Um, everyone in the area knows who he is. Um, so that's what they were doing. And But you were never attracted to the plumbing stuff? You never... No, and I don't know if he was ever attracted to me being attracted to the plumbing stuff. <laughs> he always told me to do something else, but I, at a pretty young age, I, I noticed when um, a lot of other kids were, you know, watching, you know, cartoons or maybe watching the baseball game with their dad. I was, I would watch the Weather Channel. Um, yeah. Oh man, I love it. I would go to sleep watching it, and my mom would send away in the summers for these. Like you could get these books from the Weather Channel that were like kind of like workbooks slash textbooks, and I'd read them in the summer and then I would take the little tests at the end. And I was, I was a bit of a nerd in that regard. I loved it. You know, I was fascinated with it. And I, that's what I went to school for. And I figured Penn state's a, a you know, great school to do that at. And it was still kind of close, somewhat close to home. And that's why I went there. Yeah. There's not many meteorology, at least back in the seventies and eighties and even into the nineties, you have Penn state, you have Millersville, I believe you have Rutgers. Yeah. But so, so you go to Penn state and you're a meteorology major. Mm-hmm. And, and you're a year to win and, and what's going on. So a woman yeah, into so your I, life, something happened. Yeah. Um, yeah. It started getting hard for me. <laughs> <laughs> I, got through, I got through all the, the, you know, the gen ed stuff 
And then, you know, calculus one, all right, calculus two, okay, that's not that, that's, that's not fun. Um, you know, level one physics somehow snuck through that, you know, level two, I was like, all right, this is for people like Joe, who are way smarter than I am, um, this whole science stuff. So, uh, you know, I just realized it wasn't for me. And I, I say that somewhat tongue in cheek, but I, I really just wasn't smart enough to do it. Um, no, I snuck, I barely snuck through a lot of those courses because I know exactly what you mean. You have that certain type of person the math comes easy to them. They just whiz through physics. I, I had a really struggled through a lot of that stuff, but I got through, but I know what you mean. And in the meteorology program and any calculus, physics, chemistry courses, there are those that just, they're made for that. And I wasn't one of those either. I had to work hard just to pass yeah. those courses. I know exactly yeah, I, what you mean. I realized around that time that it was more, you know, the verbal side of the brain that, that works for me. Um, but, but that's life. That's life shoving you in, in another direction which is good that's the only you don't want to end up being 25 30 years old 40 50 saying i wish i tried that you tried it yeah and now and you know now jumping ahead obviously but i can tell you now that i i mean i get up every day and i love what i do as difficult as it has been in the past year and a half to be in the business of promoting mass gatherings um <laughs> i love what i love what i do you know i go back to my mom always said go to school and get a job you love there's nothing worse than getting up every day and not wanting to go to work and oh baby that's true so when you that day you switched from meteorology you go to the uh, the, the guidance department or whatever it is your advisor yeah. what do you, what what were you thinking like a radical change or just a subtle change uh english major <laughs> so oh man so why why not something in between i don't know why <laughs> I started thinking, what else am I good at? You know, and, and I've always been good with my words. I've always been a, a I've always been a good writer. So I, I, I switched. I graduated with a degree in English, and then I went back and got a second bachelor's in journalism. And that's what I was going to do. I was going to come out and I was going to write maybe for a newspaper. Um, I've always had this love for music, maybe um, you know, a music editor or something like that. And that's that's what I set out to do. And like I said, it didn't quite work out that way. But I ended up working in the music industry anyway. And um, I think that's where I'm supposed to be. Oh, that is so cool. Now, when you were, let's say, not maybe doing the best at Penn State when one or two courses, I don't want to summarize too much for you. Is there a part of you for one moment that thought, you know what? Maybe I will take over the old man's business. Mm -mm. Oh, no, man, no. <laughs> and not for any reason other than, honestly, that just never crept Isn't in. that something? Yeah, there, it, was, it was just never an interest of mine. Um, you know, my dad is, he, he's one of those people who doesn't ask for help. You know, he's a, I, I can do it myself kind of guy. So I never rode along with him on any jobs or, or learn. I never learned anything, you know, in that field from him. I wasn't really involved in it. And I just never had, I never had the interest. You know, I, I was having a good time at Penn State. Don't get me wrong. I enjoyed my college years. Um, I was just looking to go in a different direction, but certainly stay in school. And, and I didn't know exactly where I wanted to go, but that was never really an option for me. That's funny that if, if, if there's a young parent that's going to listen to this, it's something you need to learn. Um, my dad was an avid golfer and I had to be 11, 12 years old, maybe 13 when he took me golfing for the first time. And uh, we got two holes in and I remember thinking, oh God, I can't wait for this to end. And then yeah. because I have a very short attention span, I tend to be hard, wired in a forensical way and he's not. So we get yeah. to the ninth hole. And I remember thanking the gods. I didn't tell him this. It's over. Oh, my God. This has been torture. And he goes, son, you're ready for the back nine? And my heart. <laughs> you're only halfway. Almost. 
I couldn't believe anyone could do that. And I yeah. hate golf. And I think that still bothered him. My dad passed away, but I always feel bad about that. And it's amazing the difference between fathers and sons and how you, how you jive through that. I never push science on my kids. I let yeah. them do exactly what they want. So yeah, that's how you have to do it. Yeah. And I have two little kids and that's kind of how I am with them. I mean, they're young, but I don't, you know, whatever they want to do is fine. Whatever they don't want to do is fine. I certainly don't get me wrong. I got a lot from my dad. My love for music comes from him. He, is that right? He's a heck of a guitar player. and his own Really? Some of the best concerts I've ever seen, and I've seen so many, were in my parents' kitchen. My dad playing the guitar um, growing up, and, and he still does that to this day. And, um, you know, he's seriously one of the best I've ever seen. And I, I really mean that. So that's where my music was. Oh, my God. This... So working in this working in this business um, now, you know, it, it, it kind of makes sense because I, I grew up, you know, with music in my life pretty much from the from the get-go. Oh, I can't wait to get to that stuff. So when you get out of college, what's your first, second, third job? What are you doing? So when I go back for my journalism degree, I needed an internship and I got one at the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins, the hockey team here um, that plays now in the building that I'm running. Um, and I was an intern there and I was offered a full-time position writing stories for their game program um, when I was you know, done with my internship. So they offered me a full-time job. So, so you're like I, 22, 21, 22, something like that at the time? Yeah, well, probably more like closer to 24 because I had gone back to school for two more years. Right, right, right. But and how long ago is this? What year are we talking? Are you want to give your age? 2002. 2002. 2002. So you're out, of, you're out of college. You're about to get out. The, the new century has kicked in and mm-hmm. you're writing for uh, the arena. You're pumped up. You're, you're filling your, your, your life's goal. The juices are flowing. This is all yeah. good, right? Life was good. Yeah, I um. I was actually an intern in a department where, um, you know, the marketing person for the team at the time uh, is someone that I would end up dating and eventually marrying. I met my wife at, um, as an intern there. Um, so you know, She's that, a local girl, too? Yes, she grew up in West Wyoming. Um, she still lives in the area. She's actually the general manager for the Rail Riders just up the road from Wait New York. a minute. Now, wait. Now, stop right there. How could we have... Two people meet as interns and then become big shot local GMs at two big uh, uh, icons in Northeastern PA. How does that happen? I don't even understand. Well, yeah, I, I think you're giving us way too much credit. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you know I, it's she. She is so good at what she does, um, and in so many, she's so many things that I'm not. Um, you know. It started out where, you know, we, we met each other, obviously, at the Penguins and, and started working together. And, and once we started dating, we realized we couldn't make that work, working together. So she's actually the reason I left and moved back to State College. I took a job at the Bryce Jordan Center. Wait um, a minute. Wait a minute. You meet this girl. You're, you're both doing internships. You meet your girlfriend. Is this love? You're together. And then you say, I'm leaving. I'm going somewhere else. This doesn't make sense. Yeah, it it doesn't sound like it makes sense, but I think for us, it made sense because I said, if, if this is serious, we can't, we couldn't do it and, and, and work together. So um, I know going two hours apart from each other doesn't make a ton of sense either, um, but we couldn't work together and, and kind of make that work. I felt so. I thought a scene in a movie, she's like, Will, I will follow you anyway. We will go West together. We will, I will find a job. This will work out. I will, I am the love of your life. I will tag behind you and be a part of you. Your- you clearly have never met her either. <laughs> that is not her. That's not her at all. Um, 
but I did, it gets better. Cause I, so I took this job out in state college and I went, you know, two, two and a half hours away and we kind of did the long distance thing for a little bit. And oh, wait, did you want to go there or that just happened to be where the job was? Um, a little bit of both. That's, a little that's bit of both. What a job was, it kind of put me in, I was leaving the sports industry and going more into the concert industry, which is something I wanted. Okay. Um, but uh, again, it was the biggest thing was just getting kind of that distance so that we can kind of uh, uh, take that relationship to the next level without, without working together. So I went yeah. out there and a few months later, she comes out there and follows me out and she gets a job for the, the minor league baseball team that's out there in state college. And well, see, my prediction came true. She did end up following me out. She did. She did. <laughs> she didn't. She didn't say it the way you said she said it. I wish she I had. <laughs> Love is blind, man. Love yes. doesn't have any but rules or conditions. If, 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 you, if you fast forward three years after living out there, we end up getting married. Um, and then we realize if we're going to start a family, we, you know, we want to do it home. This is our home. So three years after she followed me out there, I left her out there and <laughs> came back came back here um, to take a job at the FM Kirby Center. And then she was out in State College by herself for a few months. And eventually she came back and took a job for the the then uh, Yankees in Scranton-Wilkesbury. And now they're the Rail Riders. And the rest, I guess, is history. Also, you're in your late 20s and you you find, you land this job at the Kirby Center now and you're married. And any kids at the time or no? We had our first child, Molly, a couple years into my uh my time at the Kirby Center. Okay, so you're at the Kirby Center because I'm trying to place this in my life. If I saw any shows at the Kirby Center, this was around what 2000 and um, ten? Six, seven. Oh, okay. So let's say about ten years ago, 10, 11, yeah. 12. Um, yeah. uh, so what are you doing at the Curb? You're the big wig. Right. Not, not at first. I started out as their director of marketing, um, trying to sell tickets to all the shows they were booking, but. You know, within a few months, um, the person who was booking all the events there had left, um, and I had an opportunity to kind of you know, take over the booking, and that's really where I wanted to be and what I wanted to do. So I kind of slid into that role. And so this is like your your love of music and your dad's guitar playing, and you see this is funneling you into now you're yeah. booking artists, correct? Yeah, I grew up listening to most in my house from my dad. It was Willie Nelson, uh, Chris Christopherson. Merle Haggard, Bob Dylan, and I, I booked all four of those. Get out of here. Over the next several years, which were always pretty special for me for that reason. I got to take my dad. I booked Chris Christopherson, was able to bring him to the show, brought him backstage to meet him, and I got to see my hero meet one of his heroes. And Oh, was, my goodness. So, so, so may I ask how old your dad is? Yeah. Um, I'm embarrassed to say I don't know. I, I, I believe he just turned 70. Okay, so I guess what I'm trying to say is I would think he's a rocker, too. If he's playing the guitar, these are all Americana country type artists. But was he a rocker, too? Or is he, is he like Deep Purple? Is he like Beatles? Is he like Stones, Led Zeppelin? He was never yeah, that I mean, guy? No, I mean, the, the Stones are probably <laughs> as rock and roll as he got. Um, okay. A lot of Stones was never into any of that other classic rock stuff. All that Really? Yeah, it was always kind of the acoustic guitar that, you know, sort of that Americana, that outlaw country, you know, older country, the Johnny Cash stuff, things like that. That's that's kind of where he lived. And I have a love for that stuff, too, as a result. So, yeah, booking shows like that was, you know, that was pretty special to, to, to you know, book these bands that I'd grown up listening to. 
Well, you now, now see, because this is why I'm called Mr. Curiosity. I am not faking this. I need to know this. All right. So you're sitting at the Kirby Center. It's a nine to five job. Let's pretend. Okay. I got to, I got to start booking some acts. How does it even start? Uh, who decides who it's going to be? Is it the interest of a group? Is it your idea? Is it a marketing team? Like how do you even begin? Yeah, it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of a two way street. You know, there are agents out there who are trying to book their artists and venues and they'll reach out to you and say, Hey, I have so-and-so going out. Um, Here's what it costs. Uh, Is, is there any interest? Do you have these dates available? And then, you know, there's times when I'm, just kind of scouring the internet saying, okay, who's on tour? Oh, I see so-and-so's on tour. Let me reach out to their agent and see if they have any interest in, in coming here. So it's very much a two-way street, but it's very much also a, a relationship business. You know, we um, there's multiple conferences every year that I make sure I go to just so I can spend some time with these agents um, to, to kind of make sure, you know, oh, the I see. Right. stay on their radar, right? I mean, we're not, they need they need markets like ours, but they don't need markets like ours. You know what I mean? We're I not, know exactly what I mean. Yeah, we're right in the middle not. there. Yeah. We're so, three, you got a two-hour drive from Philly. You got a two-hour drive from New York. So it's probably appealing, right? It is. The routing actually helps us get a lot of great shows. You know, if they're in Philadelphia on Thursday and they need to be in New York on Saturday, we're right in the middle on the way through. We get a lot of events. We get a lot of events like that. But it's it, like I said, it's very much us going after acts that we want and acts coming to us that, you know, need to put need to put their show on the road. I always I, I grew up in this area, maybe, as you know, and I took for granted how many great acts we get around here. And if not here, it's as close as Allentown or New York yeah. or Philly. I always thought, what do people like in Des Moines, Iowa do? There are some yeah, artists right. that never even come cl- hundreds of miles to, to, to Nebraska or Iowa or Minnesota. I mean, East Coast, Mid-Atlantic, West Coast. I mean, we're, we're in a good location here. We are. One of my pet peeves is when people say there's nothing to do around here. Oh, uh, I'm fighting this war. I hate that. This gray area is great. So, it's, I mean, like I said, this is the area we chose to, you know, kind of live, work, and play and raise a family, and, and, and we love it here. But one of, my, one of my goals at the Kirby Center was to – as easy as it is to go to the Allentowns and the Phillies and the New Yorks to go see shows was to get some of those shows here as well. So we can see them in our backyard. And my 10 years at the Kirby center, we had a lot of fun. We booked a lot of great acts from, you know, Diana Ross and Tony Bennett to, you know, Ringo and, um, you know, David Byrne or the talking heads. I and mean, we had, we had a lot of fun. And I can speak of my language. Okay. So in the nineties, I saw at the Kirby, the last few acts I remember, I saw Cheap Trick. I saw Joe Walsh. I saw Bruce Hornsby in the range. And I guess you have to fill, there are acts that have to fill that venue because it's fairly large, but it's not arena large, but and it's yeah. not too small either. So you're right in the sweet spot, aren't you? Yeah, we are. I actually had that conversation with someone this morning. I, you know, one thing I miss about being in a venue that size is there are so many more acts that are playing that. 2000 capacity venue that, as you said, isn't too small, but also isn't too big. Um, then you see playing a 10,000 capacity arena like we have, like we have here. Yeah. So there's, there's so many artists that are out there um, looking for venues like that. And, you know, we took advantage of it. We had, um, like I said, we had a, a lot of fun with it. I, you know, when I'm not in this business anymore, I will write a book about some of this stuff, but I can't. Ah, you got to give us some now, some funny moment. Give us something. Come on. You gotta, you gotta, here's what I'm wondering. Let's say, 
let's say one of my favorite groups, Blue Oyster Cult. Let's say you book Blue Oyster Cult. Okay, so what do you guys all do? You have like a little area in the back that you hide them and are, are many of these artists like don't let anyone through and they're snooty and they're snotty and they have all these high demands. What's it like? I think you, I think you get all of that. Uh, but, <laughs> but I also think that the stories like, you know, the writer that only wants, you know, all blue M&Ms and no, a lot of that stuff is, is, is made up. You know, yeah. I, um, I've had artists who have surprised me in good ways and bad ways, you know, ones that I thought were going to be easy to work with that weren't. And ones that I thought were going to be hard to work with who were great, but I can tell you that far and away the, you know, the, the good ones outweigh, outweigh the bad ones, you know, but, um, and because you're still in the business, I know you can't burn your own, you can't burn any bridges here. You're not going to give us any gossip. <laughs> yeah. that agent. That, well, <laughs> no, I can, I, I can share some stories, but you know, that agent, you know, who's representing an artist that, you know, gave you a really hard time may also be the agent for another artist that you really want to have at your venue at some, at some point, you know, so you kind of take the good with the bad, but like I said, for the most part, it's been, it's been more good than bad. You know, I got to meet one of the Beatles. I got to. Oh, so yeah. Ringo Starr. What was he like? Is he like as, as, as Hollywood as he seems? And he, you know, he's got the glasses on how he's well-dressed. He's got a good demeanor. What's he like? Yeah. He, it, well, it's, it's funny that there's a bit of a story to that, that, <laughs> um, you know, we booked that, we booked that event. Um, his agent had never been in our building before. Um, and it went, as you would expect, went on sale, sold very, very quickly, right? To see a Beatle on a, you know, stage here in Wilkes-Barre in a, in a kind of a smaller, intimate venue was very appealing to people. Yeah. Um, sold, I'd say, 95% of the tickets on the first day. Um, I called the agent and said, hey, listen, we're 95% sold out. This is great. And his response was, call me when it's 100% sold out. You know, click. Uh, that's Now, why? Why is that? Why do you think? Why? I, I It's Ringo, right? He's supposed to sell out. <laughs> Not supposed to do ninety five percent. He's supposed to do one hundred percent. Meanwhile, we're so. Do you think if it stopped at ninety five, they would have canceled or no? Is no, that the, I don't think so. Oh, okay, all right. I, I think he was saying, look, it's it, it's supposed to sell out, so ninety gotcha. percent okay. isn't good enough for me. I want one hundred percent. Okay, all right. It did by the next day, right? Yeah. So, um, the, the show then had a had a probably like a two month shelf life where it was you know on sale, but had pretty much sold out, and we were waiting for the event day, and I hadn't talked to the agent all that much. And uh, day of show, I get an email from him and he's got, he, he lives in New York City and he says, uh, email just says, where are you? Uh, and I said, I'm, I'm at work. You know, we have Ringo tonight. And he goes, yeah, I know I'm here in your, in your theater right now. And I said, oh, I didn't know you were coming. He said, yeah, anytime I put an artist in a venue for the first time, I like to come down and, and be there for the show. He's like, I'm actually standing in the lobby of the, of the Kirby right now. So great. I'll come down and meet you. And that's now, kind of unusual. Oh, it is. Yeah. You, okay. don't see, you don't see that very often. So um, mind you, in advance of this, and it was done very nicely and very respectfully, it was, listen, Ringo, at this point in his life, doesn't want to meet anyone. <laughs> and I can understand that. I can... He's not looking to take photos. He's <laughs> Unfortunately, he will no longer sign anything for anyone in the venue. He he sees a lot of what he signs going up on eBay. Yeah, yeah. Uh... Totally get it. Totally respect it. So we're going into this with no expectation of meeting him or anything like that. And that's fine. We have a sold out show. Um, we're bringing one of the Beatles to Wilkes-Barre. We're on cloud nine. No problem at all. So he says, I'm down in your theater. So I walk down and it's middle of the afternoon. Show's not till that night. So the lights aren't even on in the lobby of the theater. So 
I walk in and I see this sort of this silhouette, you know, of a man. And as I get closer, I see he's wearing a black suit and a baseball cap. And then when I get right next to him, I realize it's a, a Mets hat. Now, I'm a huge Mets fan. Yeah. <laughs> to the point where their wins and their losses affect me in, you know, I, 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 I don't know why it affects me as much as it does. It's in your big, blood. Yeah, so that's where the, my mom from New York comes in. So uh, <laughs> she, uh, uh, he, he's standing there with a Mets hat on. And I, first thing I say to him is I'm a Mets fan. Uh, and he says, I was at game six of the 1986 world series, which is a very famous game. The ball went through Bill Buckner's legs and the Mets won. And it was, it's, it's a very, you know, well-known game in baseball, especially if, if you're a Mets fan. Now stop right there. So I'm just so I follow your story. Are you talking to the promoter or is this Ringo in the Mets hat? No, I'm sorry. This is this is Ringo's agent. Oh, Ringo's agent. Got it. Yep. So the guy who the guy who told me no. Yeah, 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 that, yeah, yeah, yeah. No meeting Ringo, all that stuff. I said okay. So he's like, I was at that game, and I said, you got to be kidding. I was eight years old when that game happened, but I can tell you where I was when I was <laughs> in that game, uh, watching it with my parents. Um, I'm so jealous you were at that game. And he says, well, when they tied the game on that wild pitch. He said, you could, you could feel the stadium just shake. Oh man. Yeah. And I said, yeah, I've been to that stadium enough that I know that feeling when it shakes. I said, but it wasn't a wild pitch that they scored on. It was actually, a, it was ruled a passed ball, not a wild pitch. And he looks at me and he's like, no, it was a wild pitch. <laughs> and I said, no, it wasn't. So now he's got to bring out his phone and, and start to Google it. And he goes, son of a gun. You're right. It was. A <laughs> I, said, I like you. Do you want to meet Ringo? Oh so, man, <laughs> you, well, you had to win him with the baseball knowledge. You broke the wall. I love it. <laughs> my wife said it's the only time me being a Mets fan has paid off for anything. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So we did. We went backstage and we met him real quickly and we and we and we got a photo with him. And but what's it, that like? So is he sitting in a room all alone or he's have his girl there? Or what, what's that like? Yeah, I didn't go in the dressing room. So I was we were in the hallway and I let the agent go in and got him. And he said, someone I want you to meet. He came out in the hallway and it was all of, you know, maybe 90 seconds. That That's was, all right. Though. Hey, Chop, how you doing? I'm Ringo. It was more than enough time for him to say hi, shake a hand, peace and love. Is that <laughs> you know, Take a quick photo. Um, and he was on his way. But it, it, it was, uh, you know, I do my best to get backstage to at least say hi and thank the artists for being there, you know. You touched um, a beetle. Yeah, it's one of the beetles. Yeah, so that was that was a lot of fun, and 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 he couldn't have been nicer, you know, quite honestly. And I get, especially when you get to that age. Um, oh yeah, I mean, I kind of uh, slow down a little bit. You know, you can't do all that meet and greet stuff, and you know, he's got a show that night that he's got to get ready for. So I get it. He couldn't have been nicer. It, it, it was a fun moment. I mean, around Christmas time, sometimes I don't even like seeing my relatives. I'm like, just leave me alone. Okay. Just leave me alone. Exactly. So I can imagine how Ringo feels, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, but, you know, those are the moments that, that, you know, make this so much fun. And, you know, there's a lot of work that goes into obviously booking the acts. And I, I listened to all of your episodes of this, of this podcast, but, you know, really enjoyed the one with Joan Ardone. Um, you know, he's what, a, got what a rich source of knowledge, right? That guy. The, the, so, that, so when you book some of these or try to book some of them, do you get do you get this any anywhere? Do you get uh, Wilkes-Barre? Where's that? I mean, do you get that kind of thing, or you're like, what, where, what, you know, or no? Everybody, I, I think, yeah. I mean, for the most part, I don't think they know where they're at from night to night. 
You know, some, <laughs> um, you get some of that from the, the agents sometime. Okay, where exactly are you located? Because they're trying to piece it all together like a puzzle, right? The routing. Yeah. Um, what we get from the artists, and it, it's funny, but not funny, every single time is, how do you pronounce this town? Oh, okay. Yeah, and we still don't know here. No. No, they, they ask the audience and the audience is literally divided. On I know we still, is there an official, is there, is there an answer to that question? Is it Barr or Barry? I don't know if there is an answer. I don't know if there is an official. <laughs> I, I say Barry and that's. I know, say Barry too, yeah. We had an artist at the Kirby and man, I can't remember who it was, but he told the story on stage. He said, um, again, he asked how you say the name of the town. <laughs> said i was at one of your local establishments earlier today and i saw someone in line and i said to him how do you pronounce the name of the place we're in right now and <laughs> said duncan <laughs> so, they were in a dunkin donuts oh that's funny now when i was at the kirby and i saw joe walsh i'm a big fan of the eagles and joe walsh he sure. now this is probably early 90s maybe even before your time uh, mm -hmm. You wonder how something like this unfolds. He was so either drunk or high or something. And believe me, I love Joe Walsh. I respect him. It was, maybe it was just one of those nights. It was one of the worst shows I had ever seen. He was drunk. I left halfway through very disappointed. Is yeah. it, it, I mean, do some artists just come in and like, all right, here we go. Or is it, do they take it very seriously? I mean, and how do you even, what do you do then if someone is, is, now yeah. earning their money so to speak yeah i can i can honestly say i've never dealt with anything like that where they were under the influence of anything that made them or at least noticeably yeah <laughs> that, that kind of affected the show i do think sometimes and it's only natural but you got to remember that these are also people and you know we all have our our off nights and our off oh days, yeah i know yeah you know? you're um, taking the high road I'm trying to. <laughs> well, listen, we had Joe Walsh. I booked Joe Walsh at the Kirby Center. Oh, really? Um, yeah, it was probably, I mean, guessing now maybe it was eight years ago or something like that. Well, he's clean and sober for decades yeah. now. So it's the new Joe Walsh. <laughs> so he kind of redeemed himself. I wish you were at that one. Fantastic show. Amazing guy to deal with. Did you deal with him? Did you talk to him or anything? We did. Really, really funny guy. You know, he was. Um, they were doing some kind of tour documentary where they were every stop they go, they were doing little videos of the venues they're playing in. So he was just walking around with his kind of like his phone on like selfie mode, you know, walking around taking. Is that right? That's cool. Showing showing pictures of the venue and whatnot. So, you know, people get they, they don't realize whether they're lo you know locals who just maybe haven't been at the Kirby Center before or artists who are coming into town. When you stand outside on public square and you look at it, it's it's deceiving. You don't realize as you're walking in, just how big and beautiful the venue is. No, you know? you're right. You don't. You just see the front and the lights and you, you don't, you know, the, the, the whole rear end of it. You, you never get perspective. Yeah. We see a lot of artists that would come in and just say, wow, this is beautiful. And they want to walk around and they want to look at the, you know, the different lobbies and, and whatnot. We had an artist there once, Joe Bonamassa. I don't know if you're familiar, but. No, never heard of that one. Blues guitarist who, if you're into guitars at all, just, you know, give the guy 30 seconds on YouTube and you'll be hooked. One of <laughs> guitarist you'll ever see um he's now been at the kirby a, a few times but we booked him for what i thought was the first time um not long after i'd gotten there and he arrives in town and he's not he, he's kind of late for a meet and greet that he had set up with some fans so he comes off the bus and he says i need to go straight to the lobby to meet these fans and do this meet and greet can you get me there so i said sure i take him through 
the theater and I get him out where he needs to go. He starts signing these autographs and I'm standing there and he looks at me and he looks around and he says, man, I feel like I've been here before. And I said, no, not, not to our, not to our knowledge. We don't have any record of it. So he starts signing a few more and he's like, man, I feel like, cause this is a guy who at 12 years old was opening for BB King. Is that right? Okay. You know, guitarist since he was really young. He says, I feel like I opened for, it could have been Peter Frampton I opened for. He said, I was probably 16 years old oh, God. here at this venue. I'm like, I don't know. So he gets done with the meet and greet and he goes, can you show me to the dressing room? So I take him through with it. The Kirby Center has this backstage kind of tunnel that takes yeah. him to the dressing room. Oh, see, folks, you're getting the inside scoop here. Backstage tunnel. Who knew? There are really tunnels <laughs> at the Kirby Center. If you've ever been in a tunnel, you don't forget it because it's narrow. Yeah. And it's it there's slopes and there's pipes and you need to duck in certain areas to not hit your head um are so these tunnels it, just for that to move people in and out secretly or yeah, no? it's basically it's not like a secret tunnel but it's just basically a way for the artist to get from maybe front of the house to back of the house without having to go through oh excellent excellent okay sorry oh, to interrupt sorry to interrupt. no not at all so he gets to this tunnel and he stops in his tracks and he's like now i know i oh man he's like I, I remember this tunnel. So now I'm totally intrigued. So I take him back to the dressing room and I go upstairs and we have filing cabinets, you know, of records and I'm going through and I alphabetically, and I find a Peter Frampton folder and I open it up and it says opening act. It doesn't say who the opening act was for Peter Frampton. It says $500 for the opening act. And, but if you look at the year that the show took place, Joe Bonamassa would have been 16. So I said, son of a gun. He was, wow. He was you know, he was here. So how old is he now? Well, or then how old was he? Um, like was that decades yeah, ago? Probably like in his thirties. Oh, okay. Know. So I was quite a while ago. That's excellent. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. yeah. So when do you start thinking, okay, uh, I had enough of the Kirby center. Oh, by the way, when you're, when you're, do you meet most every act that's there or not really only the ones you care about? Yeah. For, no, for I the most care about, but are interested in. Sure. No, don't, you know, naturally there are ones that you get a little more excited about than others to meet. You yeah. know, I was a, huge talking heads guy meeting David Byrne was, was awesome. You know, I wanted to do that, but I, I do, I do my best to get back and just shake the hand of everyone and just say, Hey, thanks for, thanks. Is for he, this. is he uh, as bizarre, eccentric as you would think or not? You know, he was, first of all, I mean, hands down, one of the best concerts I have ever seen. Is that right? Just so good. It was everything you wanted and more. Um, you got all the talking head stuff, but it's so theatrical. It was like seeing a Broadway musical and a concert at the same time. And it's all coming from his brain, I believe, right? I mean, he's the main. It's an, and it's an interesting brain that he had. Yeah. <laughs> so did you get to tap it's, into that? Like, was he a bizarre guy? Or You know, I was kind of ready for that. I just went to say hello. And he was sitting there um, and we took a quick photo. And uh, he's drinking a glass of wine. And, and I said, you know, just not looking to take up your time. Just want to thank you for being here. What an amazing show. Um, you know, hopefully we can do it again soon all that stuff. And he says, well, why don't you just have a, have a glass of wine with me? So, oh. um, you know, so it, it was, he was one of those, which is nice. And I don't normally, you know, I, I, yeah, I, yeah. I don't, I don't work there anymore. So I, I had the, I had the glass of wine with him. Yeah. Uh, but how do you say no to that? Right. You can't say no to wine with David Byrne of the talking. Yeah. Hands. yeah. And what was he like? Did you, what, did, some people, and I'll be uh, 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 guilty of this, when I do the TV thing, I'm a little bit of a different person than I am normally. Is he the same guy or is he, did he come all, off as weird? 
it wasn't at all what I expected. Just so laid back down to earth. Yeah, right. Wanted to know about the venue, wanted to know about the town, wanted to know about, you know, how long have you worked here? It was really just like a normal conversation with, you know, with just a a random person that you might meet on the street. I'd have Um, to bring up the sledgehammer video. I'd have to bring that up. Right. Of course. Well, look, (laughs) I always always have those moments, you know, because in the time, in the moment, it's, it's, it's cool, but you're, you know, you're not yourself either, right? Because you're meeting, you know, this is, you know, I've listened to this band my whole life and, and I'm, I'm meeting the guy here. So there's always that moment afterwards when I'm like, oh, I should have asked him this or. Yeah, you know, I know. I, I'm going to say that with you when this is over. <laughs> well, we're on different I'm, levels. But. I just confused uh, Peter Gabriel with David Byrne. I'm sorry. But anyway. So, I know. I, I, just, I, I thought that. I'm sorry. I apologize for that. But anyway. So uh, the, 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 the years at the Kirby Center are coming to an end then. You were thinking what? I, I want to go somewhere else what were you- yeah i it, you know it, it was a hard decision because i love that venue i think um communities need more places like the kirby center you know um i thought but- you'd say you were fired for uh pinching belinda carlisle's butt or something but that didn't happen nope, nothing like that it wasn't because i had a glass of wine with david Byrne. it was just that the, the the gentleman who was running the arena here um was moving on and there was an opportunity and they came to me and said you know we like what you've done at the Kirby over the last several years. And do you have any interest in this? And, you know, it was, it, it was tough to say yes, because I loved my time at the Kirby center so much, but it was also really hard to say no, you know, what year is the, what year was this now? This was only two and a half years ago, two and a half years ago. So now there's wife, there's kids you're living here. Everything's established. You have probably had to do it. Those uncomfortable sit downs that I do with my wife and you say, what do mm-hmm. you think? And you, and everyone sure. expresses themselves, right? That is that what yeah. happened? It was really hard. Um, and my wife actually is the one we had. We sat down and we had that that conversation that you're referring to. And she says, do you remember when you took the internship at the Penguins? And that's when we first met. She said, what did you have to do before every game? And it's true. I was the intern. And even when I started working there, I was the low guy on the totem pole. Before every game, they had a Dodge Durango that was wrapped in Penguins logos. And before every game, when everyone else would go to the game and eat their pregame meal and get ready for the game, I'd have to take that car to the car wash, get it washed, drive it to the arena, park it up on the sidewalk so it was on display before every game. She said, do you remember how much you hated doing that before every game? She goes, now you get to run that venue. And make someone else do that. How do you say no to that? She's like, no. That's cool. From cleaning the car to running the venue. She's like you should be proud of it and you should, and you should take it. So, so I did. And like I said, it, it's just, if you're going to work in this industry, it's going from a 2000 seat venue to a 10,000 seat venue. And there's something exciting about that. So um, I took it and I missed the Kirby center every single day, but I've loved my time here. You know, the past year and a half don't really count for anything because we've just been sitting around pretty much twiddling our thumbs, yeah. but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm loving it. Well, here's where I need an education and the bell is ready. If you want me to just hit it. I don't understand the whole Mohegan Sun thing. So is that tied into, is that like a, a, like a Native American fake corporation? Is it a, what, what is it? I don't even understand the whole Mohegan Sun thing. Or, I don't know, know either. I can tell you, <laughs> what I can tell you is that we get a lot of people who come here for events that, that are at the casino and, and vice versa because they get. Yeah, confused. but the casino came first. It did. So yeah, honestly, it's as simple as this Mohegan Sun Pocono owns the naming rights to the venue. So just like PNC pays yeah. their name on PNC Field at the where, where yeah, the road. Gotcha. Mohegan Sun is the sponsor of the building name. 
So their name's on the building. There's no affiliation between the venues. Oh, see, I didn't know that. So there's no affiliation. It just spawned. Okay. It, oh, I got you, got you, got you. Okay. So just like before that, it was, I forget what it was, <laughs> Wachovia Arena. You know, Wachovia Bank yeah. was the sponsor then. So, so is this a group of, so the, the the investors or the corporate entity that owns the Mohegan Sun Arena, Does is it the same ones for decades or is it always being switched around? You know, like WMAP? Yeah, so it's, it's actually owned, <laughs> the venue's owned by the county. So it's, it's, it's a county owned facility. Oh, I um, knew that. I thought it wasn't then. Oh, so it's still yeah. county owned. Yep, it still oh, is. Gotcha. The county has a board, the Luzerne County Convention Center Authority. Um, they have a board. And then I actually work for a company called ASM Global, which is one of the largest venue management companies in the world. Um, they have venues on, you know, four different continents. Um, I actually work for them. Our whole staff works for them. Um, and we are hired um, as by the county to to run the facility. But I don't actually work for You can see why I'm confused then. You can see why I'm confused. So it's got the corporate name. It's owned by the county. But yet there's another corporate entity that is running the, the <laughs> it's understandable and then you throw in the fact that there's also a mohegan sun in connecticut that books concerts and it gets even more confusing so, oh you know, man someone so, sees, you know, so what is a typical uh nine to five job for you there what like you come in and what do you you're in the back counting money what are you doing no it's it, i think it kind of sounds cliche but I, I there really is no typical nine to five and i think that's what i like most about it most mornings I kind of develop in my head as I'm driving in what I'm going to get done that day. And by the time I get there, um, you know, it, it's kind of gone off the rails and there's this fire to put out and, 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 you know, and things like that. But um, what I love about it is it is so fickle and it is so um, unpredictable. You know, we got, and, and I, it sounds like a tease, but I'm on my way in today and we got a call for a concert that's going to come to our building in 2023. Um, so here it is folks. He's going to fill us in. This is the big news. And if I tell you, we'll lose it, but, <laughs> but it's a good one. You know, it's a really, really good one. So um, I love that. You know, you don't, you don't, you don't know when those phone calls are going to come. No. Uh, and that's an education for me right there. Knowing that some, some of these deals are done two years in advance. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's not often that they're done that far in advance, you, you know, usually a year in advance. Um, so that's a little bit out of the ordinary. And I don't know if it's just, maybe it's an artist that's planning that far out, or maybe it's, they're being careful in case, you know, we get slowed down again by, you know, yeah. all these going in the wrong direction and whatnot. But so, so at the, at the Kirby, you were the booking guy. Now you're the general manager. That doesn't mean, so are you, is it less of, you have your people do your stuff now. You're not the booking guy. So at the, at the Kirby, I was executive director. So I, I oversaw the venue and the entire operation, but I, my main focus was on booking the venue. Here is pretty much the same thing. Just oh, I see. So a slightly different title, but basically you're doing the same thing. Same thing, just bigger venue, bigger staff, bigger bigger artists. But I do. I have a guy named Kevin Jovich who works here. He's been here for a long time. He also works in the booking department with me. He's incredibly smart. So um, unlike at the Kirby Center, I do have someone here helping me with it. Um, and I, I think we're a pretty good team. Well, that's excellent. I got to tell you, I'm going to set you up. I'm going to quiz you right now. All right. It had to be about 10 years ago, although you know how as you get older, sometimes time is uh, distorted. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's more, but I'm thinking about 10 years ago. I see yeah. one of the biggest rock acts ever at the arena where you are. Um, the place was jammed. There was cannons. There was fireworks. There, <laughs> there, there was pandemonium. There was, there was energy. Who is this? 
ACDC. Yeah, <laughs> I was at that show. I was too. Oh, were you? <laughs> I was too. Yep. I loved it. So what were you? You're at the Kirby at the time, right? I mean, and what were I you thinking? At the, I was at the Kirby at What the year time. do you know? Was it? You think I, it was 10 years ago or more? I, I think you're in the right ballpark. Okay, good, good, good. Well, I think it was like, you know, probably eight to 10 years ago, probably closer to 10. Okay. Um, I, if you remember, they did uh, the night of the, you know, the official kickoff of the tour was here in Wilkes-Barre, but the night before that, they did a full dress rehearsal too, concert. Oh. It, they did two nights. Um, and the first night was basically invitation only. And then they sold tickets for the second night. So um, a buddy of mine who worked here is like, hey, I got an extra. Do you want to come see ACDC? So I did. It gave you, a, you didn't get a ticket. You got this little like VIP laminate and you came in and you sat and you, and it was the full concert, you know, packed house, um, kind of a, you know, just a full dress rehearsal. And it was, it was amazing. And seriously, one of the best concerts I've ever seen. Oh, that's pretty cool. So when it's at those uh, rehearsal concerts, there's no regular people there, I guess. So you're not going to have your stragglers, your rock fans necessarily of just families and kids who scraped up a hundred bucks to get a ticket. It's more everyone is assigned because they know someone. It's a little more corporate. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, look, I did they have more of their true fans the next night? I'm guessing. Yes. They did. Yeah. Yeah. But um, they also wanted to try to um, get a show or two. You know, a lot of these tours that kick off in Wilkes-Barre, they kick off in Wilkes-Barre because they want to get a show or two under their belt before they go to New York City or they go to one of the bigger. Oh, I see. Parties. I never thought about that perspective. It's you like, hey, if I screw those. up, it's only Wilkes-Barre. No offense. Well, not, it, well <laughs> not only that, but they get they, they're usually here a few days prior to that. They, they rehearse privately. They kind of get all their. Oh, that's cool. You know, testing out the videos. You'd be surprised how many artists come here. And do that. Some of them don't even end up doing a show here. They just use the venue to rehearse because they get out of New York City. The rates are a little more affordable outside of the city. Yeah. Um, you know, at the time, you're not allowed to talk about that they're here. But after the fact, we kind of let people know. We've had Justin Timberlake's been here to rehearse. He's never, they didn't perform. Uh, Roger Waters. Really? Um, yeah. So we've had. Um, we've had some big ones, and then ACDC did that, but they ended up doing a performance here as well. You didn't meet Roger Waters, did you? That was before my time. I was going to say, okay, because that that guy, here's my theory on him. He's been through four wives. He's going on his fifth. His mm-hmm. band members hate him. He can't be, he's got to be difficult. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I don't know who his agent is, and if I work, <laughs> but in fairness, I've never met him, so I'll reserve I'll reserve judgment. But like I said earlier, I think there are people that um, I was worried about meeting because um, I've heard stories or, you know, the reputation precedes them and they've been great. So um, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. All right. So with the ACDC example, is that uh, and this is my uh, twisted ignorance. Is that as big as it gets for a place like the uh, the the arena or no? Yeah. You know, I'll be honest. I wish we had 2000 more seats, you know, um, oh, yeah. Giant Center in Hershey gets closer to 12000 people. And when there's artists out there who are selling every seat in the venue, if, you know, a venue an hour and a half from here has 2000 more seats, that's 2000 more seats they can sell. And that's that much more money they can make. So, um, you know, there are artists that, you know, kind of grow to our level and then go beyond that. And all of a sudden we, even though we have 10,000 seats, all of a sudden we become, we become a little too small for them. 
Yeah. You know, so DCs is, is up there. It's about as big as it gets. We had a tool on sale. Henry Rollins? Um, that tool? No. Um, I thought he was in tool. Maybe Black Flag. Black Flag. Black Flag is, is, is Henry Rollins. We had him at the Kirby Center. That was amazing. He's intense, isn't he? That guy? <laughs> he is. He's everything you expect. In the video. He did not surprise me. Yeah, I would just cower. Him. If I saw him, I would just cower and run away. He's that intense and intimidating. Yeah, it was a he he, he does it wasn't a musical performance. He does this spoken word thing. He actually oh, did does he? Kirby Center's lobby for 200 people. And it was it was intense. And it was, you know, right during like the presidential elections. So he had a lot to say and um it was very interesting. But we had tool here, and that's you know, ten thousand seats, and it sold like that. Is that um, right? Wow. Yeah. So and then unfortunately it got canceled because the whole world stopped you know last March. But yeah, uh, bad timing for you too with the at least onset of your career. But you'll ride this out. Yeah, it's been tough. How how so in your two and a half years there? Could you throw me some big names that you uh, encountered, dealt with, laughed with, had some wine with, or it's been too soon because yeah, it well, felt the pandemic's a year and a half. So yeah, right. That's so it's have. really it's really one year's worth, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, but you know, we had. Um, Jeff Dunham, you know, the guy with all the puppets, the comedian. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, I've worked with him before, worked with him at the Bryce Jordan Center, and he, he comes here pretty often. Just so down to earth, great guy, good to talk with. You know, we had Kenny Chesney here for the country fans. You know, he's. Oh, they love it, yeah. About as big as it gets. He was, you know, he was great to work with. But yeah, the past year and a half has been kind of a dud for all of us, you know, but hopefully we're getting, getting out of that slowly and we'll have a, We'll have some fun stuff that we're trying to book and just hopefully, you know, hopefully we can have these shows. Just in the last month, I went to see Jackson Brown and James Taylor at uh, Bethel Woods. And I couldn't, I was thinking it would be an average ish concert size. They jammed that place. I don't even know how many you can fit in there, including the lawn seats. But uh, do you know the number that they can fit up there? I don't off the top of my head. I've It'd never be a great combo for you guys. James Taylor, Jackson Brown, sell right out. Yep. We, so James Taylor's played here, the arena. Um, I believe he played with Carol King actually one year. Ooh, interesting. And we had Jackson Brown on two separate occasions at the, at the Kirby center. Um, did you meet JB? I did not believe he's one of my favorites. He's fantastic. And, and I've heard you, I heard he was great to work with, um, that show actually, and it's, it's kind of hard to explain that show. Wasn't a show that we booked as the Kirby center, a promoter booked it. And then came in and rented the venue from us. So um, they kind of ran point backstage and we didn't really have much access back there, but I'm um, supposed to be great to work with. And yeah, like I said, we did it twice. Once was a kind of like a solo, more acoustic type. Um, yeah. And then the second one was full band and they were both fantastic. Could you give us a little insight? I know the listeners want to know. I want to know because this is something that always confused me or it's probably too personal and you can't. Uh, could you give us a range of, of, what an artist pulls in for a for for a Mohegan Sun Arena type place, or you can't do that. I mean, is it to fill that place up? Do they get thirty grand? Do they get fifty grand? I don't know. What do they get? Or you know, is there? Yeah, a- it, it, as you'd expect, it certainly varies based on you know based on the artist. And we're flexible here at the arena that we I talk about being ten thousand capacity, but we can um, we can shift our stage down further and make it so we can basically go anywhere from. 3,700 on up to 10,000. So we get all different types of artists, those that are selling 10,000 seats and those that might only be selling, only be selling for four or 5,000 seats. So it, it varies, you know, we've, 
paid anywhere from 30 grand to, you know, closer to a million dollars. I shouldn't say we more, more of the promoters, um, you know, who come in and, and, and rent the venues. But yeah, when you get into like um, an ACDC, could you throw a number or you can't do that? I don't know. Is that I hundreds of thousands I mean, of dollars? I was here for the show. What do you think that is? What do you think? Are they hundreds of thousands of dollars? I would have to guess. Yeah. Is that right? And is that like, and then what the, what does the arena get? Is it, is, is it a percentage or it always varies or is it by ticket sales or flat fee? How does that work? Yeah. It, it, it depends on if we're the one booking the show and we're actually the promoter yeah. um, as a promoter bringing in and we're just getting the rent, but Either way, it's a good night for us because we would get – so, for example, ACDC, a promoter rented the venue. They paid the band. I don't know what they pay the band. Okay. They rent the venue. So we get a rental fee, um, which basically covers our expenses to, to put on the show and have all of our staff here. But then we make all of the food and beverage sales and the parking. Oh, I see. Right. That's really where we make no, – that's where we make our money. But sometimes we go out and, and we book the show, too, and then we start making some of the money on the ticket sales as well. And that's always that's always fun too. And I bet you when the Disney on Ice thing comes in, assuming your kids are uh, little, I don't know how old they are, but you're in that front row, baby, right? They're five and eight. Um, yeah, Disney on Ice was here two weeks ago for eight performances. My kids came to see two of them uh, because apparently one wasn't one was <laughs> nice. But uh, yeah, you know it's funny though. I I they don't sit in the front row. I I find, you know, regardless of the show there's this misconception that you need to be in the first row um, and you need to get the best seat possible. And the best seat is always the closest to the stage when more times than not, it's not, I will go see any show at the Kirby center sitting in the first row of the mezzanine. You know, you're in the second level. Really? Yeah, I guess. Right. You're I still kind of close. You get a great view. Um, you know, when you're that close, you don't get to see everything that's going on around it. But so my kids, they don't get me wrong. They had pretty good seats <laughs> for Disney on ice, but they weren't in the front row. It's funny you say that because when I did see Jackson Brown at the um, at at the um, Bethel Woods mm-hmm. just a few weeks ago, my buddy got front row seats. So I was in the front row, and I hope he doesn't listen to this. But it was actually too close. It was disappointing. Yeah. You don't want to be front row. You want to be a little farther back. Yeah, right. And I get it. I, I get it to an extent. Right? If you're a huge fan of someone, yeah. I guess getting as close to them as you can is appealing. But for me, from an artistic standpoint, or just wanting to see a good show and want to hear the music, I want to see what's going on. I want to see the rest of the band, you know, put me back a few rows and I'm happy. And how about the hockey uh, people? Are they nuts down there? The hockey fans? You love it? Yeah, it's fun. You know, it's, 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 there's another misconception there because we don't run the, you know, the hockey team. They, they have their own staff. They have their own offices. They basically just rent the venue from us every year to, to, to play their games, but yeah. as someone who worked for the hockey team when I first got out of college, it's, it's kind of feels like I've come full circle to be working here at this at this venue now, and we'll be making ice uh, like two weeks from now to get ready for the hockey season. Believe it or not. Well, Will, I love it, man. We're about an hour in. We're going to wrap it up, and I have bad news for you. Here's the sad part of this, and I don't know how you're going to handle this in the All future. Right, now, in the future, now that I have your email, now that we establish connections. What are you going to do when someone I want to see comes to the arena and you get that uncomfortable email from me saying, hey, could you help me out? So get in line, buddy. <laughs> you will. Listen, don't feel bad doing that because everyone else does it, too. And 
I will always, I will always, <laughs> always do my best to help you out the way that I do everyone else. Real quickly, Joe, you can probably <laughs> remember this. In my time at the Kirby Center, I once booked, um, actually twice booked, uh, Kenny Rogers. Okay. And you had on the the you know the morning the morning show, you mentioned that Kenny Rogers was coming to town. And then I believe it was the next morning you had mentioned you had an intern there who had no idea who Kenny Rogers was. This yeah, yeah, I remember that. That's right. Yeah, yeah, I do remember. He had no idea. So I emailed you and I said, why don't we get this intern? To this oh, that was, you know what? I knew I remember your name. That's what, yes. And we'll we'll get him to meet Kenny Rogers. It was going to be a great bit. Yes. And we had, we had a couple back and forth. And I think the powers that be, you know, we, we, we couldn't quite make it, couldn't quite make it happen. No fault of mine or yours. Um, but uh, that that was me, and we had a great kind of well, I can't uh, believe this. I knew I, I I thought this was an unsolved crime. I'm thinking I know this <laughs> name, I know this guy. That was it. That was it. I mean, I don't know now. That was probably you know five six years ago at least. Yeah, now. maybe even more. Yeah. You're right. He never yeah. heard of Kenny Rogers, and I, and it would have been so <laughs> funny to have him there. Yeah. <laughs> Because he was like yeah. 22 years old. He's not a Kenny. He's not in the target no, audience. No, he, no, he shouldn't have known who he was, right? But we were going to make that happen. And we actually had him booked again um, when he passed away, unfortunately. So oh, is that right? Yeah, he was on sale at the Kirby Center at that time. But um, A legend, man. That guy's a legend. Yep. Really All right. Guy. Well, this has been this has been great. Is there anything I left out before I bug you for tickets in the future? No. Speaking of legends, it's been great talking to you. Um, oh, yeah. You know, uh I, I appreciate it. I knew it would be fun. I had a lot of fun. I hope you had fun too. Um, you have my contact info, anything you want to see, let me know. Yeah. I think people are, are, are interested in everything you had to say and they're going to like the insight that they got from you. So this was good. That's what this is all about. I'm curious. They're curious and I'm still going to bug you for tickets in the future. I don't care what you say. I'm here, buddy. Happy to help. All right. Thanks, man. Thanks so much, Joe. Curiosity. What are you so curious about? Everything. Mr. Curiosity.